0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Yankee Cowboy Podcast. I am your host, Tim Wilkins, and today we're actually going to be reviewing the spectacular event known as SummerSlam in the WWE. It was a phenomenal event from start to scratch, from in Nashville, Tennessee, also home of Ric Flair's last wrestling match, which happened the following day. I will not review that here in this podcast, but I think entirely, the world of professional wrestling is in good hands. I think the state of professional wrestling is in great hands. So now you have a unique opportunity to watch the creative from Paul Levesque and see what he can bring to the table, right? So we bring this into the situation tenfold, right? And we start off the situation here with my views and my thoughts on Vincent Kennedy McMahon's retirement. And I will bring this into a forefront for everyone to understand for the latter. Vincent Kennedy McMahon has created some of those symbolic and recognizable situations and scenarios inside of professional wrestling for over 40 years. There's only one man. Right, there's only one man, and inside that man's brain came a lot of great ideas, and also came with a lot of bad ones. That being said, he's made a lot of people money, he's done a lot of great things for a lot of people across this country, so it should not be you know discounted that a man of that monumental stature retire for obviously reasons that have been discussed in the media with allegations of misconduct, uh, personal misconduct, not so much any other misconduct. But it's definitely something you have to understand. That being said, AEW is no longer in competition. Has never been in competition. And I will, I think I I second the rationale of Eric Bischoff in his comments that have been on Twitter the last few days about AEW. AEW will never be in competition with WWE. I don't even think WWE cares about AEW. But that being said I think some decisions were made executively prior to this event with Vincent Kennedy and McMahon retiring that kinda of tells you the lat. definitely the first part of my my statement wasn't true. You remove Triple H from the head of creative for the black and, the black and gold brand of NXT you make everything kind of appear less serious, and you kind of go towards the entertainment value. That being said, what exactly do you think is the best way to go about it? Well, Paul Aveck, a.k.a. Hunter Hearst Helmsley Triple H, probably my all-time favorite wrestler, um, is now the head of creative. And and the WWE is in good hands because it showed when he ran the black and gold brand that a lot of great people, not just wrestlers, not just entertainers, I'm talking about people, people, because that's what these professionals are, they're people still first at heart, We're willing to go to bat and do the work of the brand and to make it a marketable brand entirely for the WWE audience. Is it a sad day for professional wrestling when Vincent Kennedy McMahon retired? In my opinion, it was. Wrestling is not dead, though. It goes into a modern era now with more thought, more intellect, more nuance that we have never seen before. And I can tell you this from this recording, that when WWE Raw uh, drew a 2.24, which is the highest it's drawn since... uh, for the pandemic that tells you the fan audience is watching and wanting to see what Triple H was going to do. Um, and then of course, in this review of SummerSlam, you start seeing the nuances of Triple H and his creative and how to create stars with less is more and kind of working your way through it. And you also heard it. If you watch social media, he has an interview with uh, Logan Paul and he discusses some of that. So we're going to review this pay-per-view, and I think, I think we need to kind of take it with a broad stroke of understanding that there's a big shoes to fill, and I think for the first night of a live event, a premium live event, uh, WWE did a pretty well, damn good job. SummerSlam historically has always been a strong pay-per-view for the, for the company, that and Survivor Series, and those two pay-per-views always follow into the end of the year, trying to lead into Royal Rumble for January course it's mania season after that so with that being said we're going to lead into the pay-per-view which i i still give a very thorough thumbs up for and and i'll say this uh, i'll be interested to see what continues to happen and i'm still going to keep a keen eye on it i've been a casual fan for the last six years but when i was a kid i was definitely an avid fan of the product and still seeing looking forward to seeing what we have here Uh, Okay, so ladies and gentlemen, the show, just to go back into the review of the the pay-per-view itself, we are live in Nissan Stadium in Nashville, Tennessee, home of the Tennessee Titans NFL organization. Stadium show, unique, almost reminds me of WrestleMania when I was a kid where you have these long ramps for intros, and it kind of took a little bit out of the show with those long intros, but still reasonable enough. Still, still worth the watch for for sure. Obviously, show opens up with Bianca Belair, uh, Becky Lynch. I'm still not really understanding. Maybe someone could probably explain to me maybe on social media uh, at Yankee Cowboy 27 on Twitter. What exactly is up with these camera, these jump cuts, and why do they do like a maybe during a live show they do like a promo hype video? During like SmackDown or Raw. And and then it would be like an intro and then it'll be a hype video and then another intro and then a match. Doesn't make a lot of sense to me. They seem like they limited that this time around. Uh, and I think I'm really appreciative of that as a fan that they didn't do a lot of jump cuts. Hopefully Kevin Dunn's on the way out too. But be like I said, Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch opened up the contest. Honestly, it was a solid back and forth match. Looked like Lynch injured herself early in the contest. Uh, with a looks like a separated shoulder or what they're saying now on social media but it definitely you can tell there were for a match that a person was probably working through an injury a stinger of some kind Um, match had a solid back-and-forth it was a solid psychology situation you understood the baby facing the heel you understood exactly where they were going with on this and but you can also see I would say the angst In Becky Lynch, throughout the match, that she couldn't possibly do some of the moves or some of the event, some of the things that she wants to work through on the match due to that injury. Which uh, there was a few sequences of events that you couldn't tell if it was a botch or it was just a sloppy uh, sequence of events, but it still had enough really solid back and forth. Uh, A few, about three or four false finishes, which really helped the match process to the fans keep the fans kind of going because the match obviously just the opening contest you don't want to be coming off stale and uh obviously Bianca Belair uh, wins this match with a decisive finishing maneuver uh Becky Lynch gets up and kind of does more of a face turn shakes her hand and then you see Bailey come back with Dakota Kai and Elo Sky um The return is definitely more of a Triple H thing, the way he presented it to the fans. Um, Obviously, we didn't know about Becky Lynch's separated shoulder, but um, with the news that came out today, or I'd say Monday night, that uh, Sasha Banks and Naomi could possibly return, this could set up a good six-man tag or six-woman program that really should suit the fans well. And uh, I had to give this match a thumbs up as a good opener. Uh, they didn't do any disservice to the industry or anything. They did a nice job and they got enough time in there. I think it was about 12-15 minutes in there about between the whole segment uh, with the return. It worked out. Definitely give that a thumbs up for the match for sure. Uh, the next match kind of made me shake my head a little bit or I would say scratch my head. It was Miz versus Logan Paul. Now... I'm skeptical, and it's like I was skeptical with Pat McAfee until I saw him wrestle in his first match on, on pay-per-view and, and saw him wrestle when he was in Dallas. He, some of these guys have this enough athletics to know what they can and can't get away with in the ring, you know what I mean? But as Triple H would say, it's not always about the moves. And it's about telling the story and I think that you see this this particular match really told the story um, and really did a nice job of going into the next show and a good sequence of events leading into the next show. So you have Miz and Logan Paul. Like I said, it was a great match. Uh, good athletic moves by both guys. Um, Maurice looked phenomenal, and I'm not going to even comment further than that to say she looked phenomenal. She just does. Um, really solid heel manager. Um, Ciampa is out there with The Miz. And what I mean by it followed suit to the following night's show, there is a spot here in this match that AJ Styles uh, basically get helps the referee get rid of Champa on the outside uh, after he gets thrown out. And this match was actually really fun to watch. Like, it wasn't just all spotty. It wasn't all just psychology and double down spots and you know, heel referee, kick a guy in the nuts type of thing. It wasn't like that. It was a lot of back and forth just really solid. It was a good match. For an, under ma- for an undercard match, it really did a job. And, uh, I think that one's a definitely a thumbs up. I give those guys a lot of props for or props going going on uh, going second and doing their thing compared to other talent that probably should have went first or second. And I mean that sincerely. There's some matches on this card that probably could have gone before, and going to this later in the card. But you can control where you're booked. I definitely give that a thumbs up. Very good athletic match, like I said. Uh, for sure, Logan Paul has a future in this industry. Um, he caught on to this industry very quickly. And I think going forward, he's definitely going to uh, be really good. And uh, see how this goes going forward for him, for sure. Also, AJ Styles and Champa was announced for Monday Night Raw. Uh, which should be a phenomenal match for Monday Night Raw in Houston. All right, guys, so the next match I'm just going to briefly talk about as I really don't care for. And there's a couple of matches in here that I, I, I'm just going to discuss because I, I don't seem to understand, nor will I ever care to understand. It's the Bobby Lashley versus Theory match, which really, in my opinion, was an eight-minute squash with Bobby Lashley going over. Theory, in my opinion, has... It will continually get buried now for the next six weeks because Vince McMahon retired. I don't see Theory getting as much main brand exposure. I think he's going to get written off. It probably rewritten into something else. Um, and that this match was about eight minutes. Really, didn't do any favors. The next match um, that I kind of want to talk about here. Is the Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey fight? It's obviously a little bit deeper into the show. It's it, I skipped over a couple matches, but I'll get to those matches here in a few seconds or a few minutes here. But the the Liv Morgan versus Ronda Rousey shows a huge liability of the company by putting the belt on Liv Morgan, and I don't mean this in a disrespectful way towards her wrestling ability. I just think that. Ronda Rousey isn't the best program fit for her to kind of promote to to build her up as champion Ronda Rousey is in the business for herself not saying she works stiff, not saying she does anything incorrectly but she she acts very much like a fake heel so it's not genuine, it doesn't come across that way to the fans and for a woman who not saying she's spotty but Liv Morgan's matches are very inconsistent and they're very challenging to watch. Like visually, sequencing, and working through those matches as a viewer is very hard. And Ronda Rousey is also the same way. Ronda Rousey, phenomenal UFC talent which she was there. WWE, I think it's a little bit too much bravado. Not enough story, not enough psychology, a lot of fakeness, a lot of acting. I personally believe Ronda Rousey now has something called go-home heat with the fan base, as I don't see her being a viable option to draw going forward with the company. I really don't. Um, Her matches are very stale, and this one being the same. Um... If you watch this match, you you can tell that when she does that false finish with the arm bar and then Liv Morgan comes back and wins. It it's definitely a a heel finish that doesn't go with her way. So they can write her off television for a couple weeks to give her some time off or whatever the case may be. But I don't think this program is viable for her. And it's no disrespect for Liv Morgan. I think she worked really hard. But she's a liability. To hold that championship belt, she's a liability. There's a lot more talented women on the roster that can... I'm not talking about Charlotte Flair. I'm not talking about Bayley. I'm not talking about Naomi. I'm not talking about Sasha Banks. I'm just talking about Natalia. Why hasn't Natalya gotten a long-term run in a long time for being a technical wrestler as she is? And she puts other people over. So it's just how it goes. Um, that match, and then there was an exchange in the card of with Seth Rollins and Riddle that just doesn't make any sense to me as a fan because Seth Rollins a week before SummerSlam gets on social media and says oh I'm sorry my match got canceled you know to the fans and I appreciate the fandom but yet they don't really explain why so um, really just difficult sequence of those three sequence of events to follow and watch and then you have what I consider to be some of the best matches on the card after in between those two shitty events. And I use my language on that. But they're just terrible. So that Liv Morgan spot was after the, uh, I believe was after the Mysterios and Judgment Day match. Or it could have been after the Pat McAfee and Baron Corbin match. And that championship match went on before the main event. Which is terrible. It's a terrible lead up into the main event. Which you know is going to be a drawn-out saga between Brock Lesnar. And, I'm sorry, yeah. So then you have a couple matches in here that really did a nice job. The tag team title match, the Mysterio Judgment Day, Baron Corbin, Pat McAfee, and then you had the main event. Those four matches alone in the second hour did a very nice job. So we're going to talk about next, uh, excuse me to go on a tangent there about the Liv Morgan and Ronda Rousey match, but the next... Match I want to discuss is the Mysterios versus Judgment Day. Uh, R- Judgment Day obviously is the faction that Edge founded with Damian Priest, Finn Balor, Rhea Ripley. Who, wow, Rhea Ripley just brings, it, brings it live, uh, as they say. Just brings it. Does a, does a phenomenal job, uh, and this does a good. You know the Mysterios my opinion, look kind of tacky. Um, but you can tell a lot of double-team offense for the Mysterios was really off-sync. But there were still some really good strong points. Rey Mysterio still looks great for being an older guy in the ring. Um, beautiful moonsault spot off the, off the apron onto Finn Balor. And looks solid. I mean, just really strong tag teams, double team spots by Judgment Day with Damian Priest and Finn Balor but like I said earlier some of the sloppy looks like there's some, some sloppy stuff in there and it could have been anything could have been timing could have been anything so it also I, I will say this as this a casual observation Dominic Mysterio actually needs to run the damn ropes like run them stop f- faking run them run the ropes stop jogging stop coming on at half speed it's just so blatantly obvious when Dominic wasn't running the ropes he was jogging so that kind of looked took away for the match a little bit and I will say the return of Edge was blah unrecognizable music I haven't really heard his new his new theme song uh, but I would have expected, like, The Brood or Metalingus or any of his other theme songs, so the fans would have popped. Now, obviously, they knew who it was once he came up there, but, I mean, it would have drawn a bigger poof and it would have gotten a better, uh, at least in my opinion, a better situation there. Really a solid match between Judgment Day and Mysterio's, but really kind of took away the edge return kind of was the big... To do with that match. And you can tell uh, a little bit was taken away from that interference. But solid match nonetheless. Uh, continuation of the storyline for sure down the road with Dominic and Rhea Ripley. She They do a, a really fun spot in the middle of this match um, with Ripley. Does like an electric chair or a doomsday device, but does it on the outside and puts. Basically does like a face plant on the apron. Does a really cool, cool experience if you watch it. And uh, a couple other spots that are really exciting. I still give it a thumbs up to go ahead and watch. Uh, if you're a fan of those those uh, res- particular wrestlers, Finn Balor does a really nice job throughout the match of doing good stuff. Uh, and really does a really nice job. The next match I kind of want to talk and lead into is the next one is. Pat McAfee versus uh, Baron Corbin, or better known as Bum Ass Corbin, which I I have to say, the presentation of this entire feud has been phenomenal from top to bottom, and I think WWE kind of keeps it edgy with the real life storyline stuff between the two of them uh, from the Colts. Obviously, the introduction. Of these two guys is so night and day it's hilarious however the introduction of Pat McAfee and I actually I'll, I'll take that hold on a second the introduction of Baron Corbin with his music and then the music stops and a chorus starts to, to sing bomb-ass Corbin for like a good like 10 minute or like almost a good i say that feels like 10 minutes but it's like a couple minutes and then pat mcafee's introduction there's his intro song comes out which he changed up from seventh uh nation army i think he's changed that up to his own theme song now and he comes out and it's a, of course it's a long introduction it's a long it's a long intro ramp in the stadium so of course he's taking his sweet time he gets into the ring they do a match and there's some spots in there That pat just looked shaky-legged, like it was in between, it was slippery, weren't wearing wrestling shoes or boots, uh, it does a hurricanrana, does a backflip, does a, I believe it is a bomb, swan tom bambini, as he calls it, with the bada bing, uh, solid match though, I really can't complain. It's impressive, depressive, nonetheless. Um, it looked like a Canadian Destroyer was supposed to be the finish, but it looked like a kind of a sunset flip finish. But one, two, three for Pat McAfee. Um, really some close calls here, and I give the same critique as I look at someone like Logan Paul in this industry that's brand new, and he was really good. But he dressed apart he wore the correct equipment I would expect Pat to be better prepared going into the ring and and of course you know there's two there's two spots there that he could have seriously gotten hurt and lucky enough he didn't so with that being said i give that match a thumbs up as well um The last two matches in this review that I want to discuss is the Street Profits versus the Usos for the Unified Tag Team Championship with a special guest referee known as J-E-double-F-J-A-double-R-E-double-T, better known as Double J Jeff Jarrett, uh, which anyone knows or has been living not under a rock for the last month. He is participating in Ric Flair's final match ever in the same town on Sunday night. I will say this match was kind of underwhelming, uh, this tag team match. Jimmy and Jay Uso defeated Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford to retain the title. However, the match was good, but the crowd wasn't really into it at all. It, it could have been most people didn't buy into the fact that the Street Profits would win this match due to the psychology and the way it was hyped up. But Jeff Jarrett, as a special guest referee was also out of place. He really didn't end up being a factor. There wasn't anger in these spots. Yet the wrestlers kept angry you know, reacting to his count his two counts. And uh, many people in the audience didn't really expect him to do something controversial. Well maybe some did. But, you know, that never happened. Uh so the match kinda of fell flat in my opinion. And at the end of the match, Michael Cole declared the Usos as the greatest tag team in WWE history. A very intense claim, but one that comes with sense with the fact that the Usos have held on to the tag team championship for as long as they have. There's no question about it. It's a it's a great team. It's obviously the money the money draw in the WWE because they're, you know, obviously cousins of The Rock related you know Roman Reigns is obviously related to The Rock there's a long family history here the main event of this show ladies and gentlemen I will say to you was by far every worth the cost of admission and you got two guys that pretty much can draw money for the company at any given moment do exactly what they want to do and have a good time doing it so, that being said, the main event uh, was the, the reason why you came to watch the show. So, you have a really crazy introduction with the tractor. Which, anyone wants to know, you, it's a case tractor with a bucket payloader in front. And then, Brock Lesnar introduces himself and does a really casual mic flip to Roman Reigns, which is pretty impressive and starts to match off with a fez press fast start a lot of furniture on the outside a lot of really protective outside the ring spots here a lot of belly-to-belly suplexes, German suplexes a distraction spot with Heyman a couple uses of the table on the outside with Lesnar going through him. Um, The, the match obviously Has a lot of outside spots A lot of weapon use Better known as furniture Trying to keep it last Keep a guy down But one spot in particular Just makes you go Holy crap I think wrestling fans Would say that they had the beer truck For Stone Cold Steve Austin The Zamboni And the milk truck for Kurt Angle This might be up there Tractor that Kurt, the, the Brock Lesnar brings out. Brock Lesnar goes and lifts up the ring, so almost at a ninety degree angle, almost a forty-five on one side, and literally doesn't lifts it up enough where the point where Roman Reigns literally has to roll out of the ring, which it does pretty fun. Um, obviously the Usos. Uh, we're going to be involved here in some way, shape, or form. They were after that flip, the, the lifting of the ring. Usos kind of do an interference spot. Um, Brock Lesnar does a couple of flip suplexes. Um, one of them looked like he landed on his head um, for the belly to belly, which tough situation on the outside. But I think it could have been a lot worse. Um, probably the spot that got <laughs> any wrestling fan happy. Was seeing Paul Heyman go through the the announce table with the F5. And I knew it was going to happen. It was phenomenal. And of course, then the continuation, the bearing of Theory. Theory thinks he's going to cash it in, doesn't get anything from it. But uh, the Heyman spot going through the table, the announce table, was probably every, from the 1980s till now, probably one of the well deserved spots. (laughs) <laughs> in the match that it could have been so it was well worth it to watch that as well and then you had the way the the finish was, was really anticlimactic and they buried Brock Lesnar with all the objects on the outside steel steps an ounce table office chairs etc so it, like I said it was really anticlimactic but worth it to watch this entire match and in just as a wrestling fan, like if you actually want to watch court wrestling, then I can understand you're not a fan. But to watch this kind of stuff and watch it for the moment that it is phenomenal. Uh, that being said, guys, this is the review that I have for SummerSlam uh, this past Sunday. Feel free to continue listening. This, like I said, this is episode uh, I believe fourteen or fifteen. Um, I'm gonna continue doing reviews of the wrestling uh, as well. So feel free to follow me on social media, Yankee Cowboy. Two seven on Twitter, and uh, hope everyone has a great week. Thank you for listening.